Well, they don't always get the glory, but any Big Ten football fan knows that success often starts up front in the trenches. We're giving the big guys some love on episode 117 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Tuesday, August 22nd, 2023. We're continuing our in-depth look at position groups with O-line and D-line previews as camp rolls on. And Matt, I'm fired up. I just got back from vacation. Felt like kind of a fitting end of the summer because there is real live college football games that matter happening this weekend. And I just know that you'll be locked into Notre Dame and Navy from Dublin on Saturday. Am I correct? No, I, I'm really looking forward to uh, USC uh, San Jose State. That's what. Uh, no, I mean, I'll, I'll probably watch it out of curiosity. I don't know what time it comes on. Um, Two. Okay. So, um, <laughs> but given how last year's game went, I don't know. We were talking about that yesterday. I don't know that either team would really be eager for the. Uh, no, Dublin. Dublin's cursed, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, was it was it Dublin? No, where was the the Northwestern? No, that was North. That was Northwestern Nebraska. Northwestern yeah. wins. People think they're good. Turns out they're both terrible. Now both coaches are gone. Yeah, that was the last the last victory for for Pat Fitzgerald <laughs> and Scott Frost. Might as well have just stayed uh, stayed in uh, on on vacation for the rest of uh, the year after instead <laughs> leave of, him there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't notice that. I like I was looking at Big Ten teams uh, for something I was doing, and Northwestern won that first game and lost eleven straight games. Like I didn't realize how bad it really got for them. But but Kyle, clearly you can feel the football in the air. I can. Yeah. No, I'm 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 looking forward to to, to Washington football finally. I mean, I. Talking season uh, drags on me after a while, so ready for some football season. I agree, and we've been doing plenty of talking, and we'll do more of it today. As I said, we're going to sort of take a look at the offensive line, which is a position group that needs to have a lot of improvement if Michigan State is going to improve this year, and also defensive line, which appears, at least on paper, to be one of the strengths of the team. Um, that has been the case in past years when Michigan State's been good, so we'll kind of look at the guys who are going to fill in there. Um, but first, we got some news last week after we uh, recorded. We recorded early in the week last week, and finally we got the long-awaited news that Michigan State is starting the process to allow alcohol sales at Spartan Stadium. Obviously, that doesn't impact the team one lick, but it does impact the fans quite a bit. This is something fans have been clamoring for. Uh, it will alter the fan experience some would say improve it some would say what it might make it worse um but nonetheless kyle you had some time to look into this and it, it's obviously some notable news nothing else yeah um like you said something that some people have wanted for a long time um uh but you know people at michigan state um have historically been resistant to it uh which is certainly not unique in college sports um you know obviously colleges have had um, their issues with binge drinking over the years at athletic events. Um, and, and I think the kind of common knowledge uh, or the common perception among and Michigan State and others was that, well, if you if you allow beer and, you know, sales in the stadium, that's just going to lead to more drinking and more problems. So um, most schools uh, have avoided this historically. Um, but over the last couple of years, you've seen uh, a couple of schools start to add it. And really, when you look at what happened, it's kind of the opposite of what most people thought. Um, it, you know, most schools, um, when they add it, they see significant decreases in, in arrests and other drinking related incidents. Um, and I, I think the, the thought is that um, 
if you sell beer in the stadium, you don't have to load up and drink six beers at the tailgate to hold yourself over. Um, and that people can pace themselves a little bit better and don't feel like they need to um, pre-drink uh, for the entire game. So, um, you know, they talked to, I, I was surprised to know 11 Big Ten schools now sell beer. Um, and they talked to um, a lot of them, Iowa, Penn State, Indiana, and they all saw like significant reductions by like half or more in arrests and other incidents um, related to alcohol. So there's a lot of data saying that this is not going to make things worse. I know, you know, I had a lot of people in my replies um, kind of lamenting that there's going to be a bunch of drunkards running around. Um, and that could be the case, but that's not been the experience um, of other schools that have done this. Uh, makes a little money for the school. Not a lot. It's not going to be any sort of game changing money, but I think it's going to um, increase the uh, ex- uh, experience, maybe get some more people to to want to go to a football game, make a little money, um, let people enjoy themselves a little bit more. And, uh, maybe even cut down on some of this problematic stuff that we've seen. So I think they're hoping it'll be a win-win. There's already plenty of drunk people at Spartan Stadium, Kyle. I don't, you know, like it, right. there's already a lot of that, but it should, we should know, you know, uh, they're not planning to do it against Central Michigan or Richmond, which would mean yeah. the first marquee home game against Washington. Uh, September 16th is the first time that we're going to sort of experience this. I would think it's going to be sort of preliminary, at least early on, while they get the sort of infrastructure and and uh, options in place. You know, I think maybe next year we can expect more of. Uh, I don't know if they're planning like a you know certain themed areas for certain types of drinking or whatever, but I, I would expect it to be a little bit preliminary this year. That maybe they can add some more amenities to Spartan Stadium in, in future years. Um, and right, there's a limit on it as well, right? They're stopping it, what, five minutes after the halftime? Is that what I read correctly? So it's it's 10 minutes. They, they said it's 10 minutes after halftime on the game clock, which I don't know okay. why I couldn't just say five minutes um, left <laughs> in the third quarter game clock. But that's going to allegedly be the uh, the cutoff, and it's going to be uh, two beers per transaction will, will be the other limit. Um, okay. And that's pretty standard stuff, honestly. Yeah. If you go to any sporting event, they usually only let you get two. They're usually cut, cutting it off before the game ends because, well, they don't want people drinking right up to the very end and then getting in the car. But uh, what do you make of all this, Matt? I know it doesn't really in- impact you. You're going to be in the press box either way with no beer, presumably. But uh... <laughs> it does not matter to me. But I just the only thing I want to say is I think it's hilarious that <laughs> they've been able to sell alcohol in the suites at Spartan Stadium because it's not technically attached to the stadium to skirt around the okay get out of here with that that's just hilarious but so yeah there i mean as kyle can attest every time you're going up that elevator of the press box when it stops at what is it five or six or whatever the doors open you can you can see the beer and everything sitting right there so um i guess if if the people who can afford the fancy tickets get to get to drink then i guess uh the rest of the fans uh deserve the same uh same privilege so yay uh, there you go normal people <laughs> and they're doing they're doing breslin and mon um and some other venues too so should be pretty much everywhere old college field which includes the school's soccer baseball and softball facilities nice work kyle on that yes. recording there mm-hmm. uh so yeah i mean it, it's new it's different uh i think I personally am excited about it, you know, and I think the main point is that, yeah, you don't feel like you have to slam four beers in line and then walk into the concourse because you're just trying to maintain a buzz or something throughout the game. And now it's just kind of, you know, you can go up and drink it and and buy one. And I think it'll be fine. Uh, I don't think the students who are the people who are most likely to be uh, binge drinking are going to be buying beers for eight fifty a pop or whatever they're going to be. So no, I, I, I had so many people I mentioned being, Oh my gosh, the students, I think it, 
I was not that long ago as a student. There's no way I would pay stadium prices. They're still sneaking beers in. Let's be honest. Like <laughs> they're and the same people forking over twelve bucks for a beer are going to be uh, lamenting the uh, cost of watching uh, Michigan State on Peacock for whatever yeah. ten bucks a month. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's the news. Uh, just something I wanted to bring up and discuss. Obviously, been a long time coming for a lot of fans, and we will see how it goes this season. So let's get into the position groups here, Matt. Uh, it's, uh, you know, time for the big guys there. And Kyle, I think, is going to jump out here, by the way. So if you don't hear, hear me more. Bye, Kyle. Thanks for being here. And that's uh, why I, I only talk about beer. That's it. Have fun talking about big guys. <laughs> talking about the Lions here, Matt. I mean, these are the position groups, especially offensive line, that I feel like are often uh, missed or looked over or not discussed because, well, they're just the offensive line. But we talk about it ad nauseum. We believe uh, that the offensive line is a key part to the team. So I guess it starts with uh, looking at, you know, Michigan State has some returners, you know, like the whole starting five or at least presumed starting five are back or mostly at Carrick and Horse that were mixing in last year as well. And they're gone, but uh, they have a lot of guys back. I guess the question is, Matt, it hasn't been a great offensive line the last few years. Is having experience a good thing when it's been so mediocre? Well, Chris Kapilovic will uh, will disagree with you on the last couple of years. He thought he had a pretty good offensive line in 2021 and, you know, been hurt that he had Kenneth Walker. So, uh, I think we touched on this last week when Mel uh, got a little irritated at the end of his press conference, uh, talking about uh, how he would never, he's never going to put, uh, if the run game isn't doing as well as it should, you know, it's never going to be the blame of, of solely the offensive line. And obviously he's right about that. There's a lot that goes into it, um, but it starts up front. And so what you, what they've got is, you know, three full-time starters back, uh, JD Duplain, your left guard, Nick Samack, your center, and Spencer Brown, your right tackle. Brandon Baldwin started five games last year at left tackle and Gino Vandermark, when they, they got thinned by injuries, uh, he started the last two games at right guard. So they think they have more depth right now. Um, Kat Kapilovic said more depth than this past year and in 2020 in their first year. So basically you got, you got Keyshawn Blackstock, who's, you know, your four-star Juco guy competing with Baldwin at, at left tackle Ethan Boyd with Spencer Brown at right tackle. And then a guard, you know, Vandermark, you know, he, he's the guy you think will be back or the front runner to start. But, you know, there are guys like Kevin Wigington um, and others pushing it at, at guard. And then what's interesting is that center because Nick Samak has been limited in practice. And, you know, he's your guy. He's, you know, your fifth year senior, your center, you know, that's a very important position. And, we talked to him last week and he said, you know, I'm, I'm uh, right on, right on track for, to return. He said it was an upper body thing. If you want to get really specific on the injury, upper body thing in the off season. So uh, with him being, you know, limited, they've been using uh, JD Duplain at center in, in practice, which is nothing new, um, but they've ramped up the snaps and that's something they believe he'll be able to a skill that he will uh, need to take to the NFL. And then after that, you know, it's, you know, Vandermark snap, Wigginton, uh, or Fincher, and, you know, you've got some options there. So, ideally, obviously, uh, say Max healthy, he's at center, Duplain's at left guard, and, and you have more competition for the the other spots. So Ethan Boyd, who I mentioned, you know, uh, Kabilovic, you know, this is an East Lansing kid. He's in his third year. 
Uh, he said uh, he can play both tackle and guard. He's a pretty big guy, long. Uh, but, you know, uh, Kabilovic said, uh, you know, unless anything, something drastic changes in next, you know, between now and the opener, he's going to, he's going to have a role. He's going to be in the rotation uh, week one against Central Michigan. So uh, more depth, obviously good, because as you know, injuries are a big part of football and keeping an offensive line healthy for a full season is uh, just about impossible. So I think the outlook is positive. I guess there's some reason to, you know, you, you be hopeful that this will be a better offensive line and uh, than what they had last year. Although, Again, that was not solely the fault of the offensive line, that the run game was uh, not good. Yeah. I mean, you look at the last, what, four years, five years, you know, 113 per game last year, 90, oh my God, 176 to to Kapilvik's point with Kenneth Walker. I mean, that was solid. The 91 the year before that, 127, 125. I mean, these rushing totals got to be better. And I know that he said that it's not all on the offensive line, but that's what people are going to look at. Tight ends, I just got to block better. I think running back has been a lot to be desired outside of the Kenneth Walker year. Um, so it all comes around and uh, it's all part of the same thing. But, you know, Phil Steele has it Baldwin, Duplain, Samak, Blackstock, Brown. Lindy's has it Baldwin, Duplain, Samak, Vandemark, Brown. So you'll probably see both of those guys in there and working in there. We've talked about it a lot though lately, Matt. I mean, there there has to be some guys that emerge in the two deep, and it starts with those younger guys that you were mentioning. Uh, you, you know, the guys that have been in the program, Wigington, Ethan Boyd. Um, you know, because those guys really do need to emerge to give them legitimate depth in the two deep, and maybe they can also sub them in so they don't have the same guys getting worn down the entire game. Yeah, it's it's. I think you know you're starting to see the well, we've been seeing it a little bit, but now even more so the. The transition from D'Antonio's guys to Tucker's guys. And, you know, the second Mel came in, he was stressing, you know, these these size requirements and the need to, uh, you know, get bigger. And so your Duplains and Samex are, and Spencer Browns, those are D'Antonio guys. And and now the you're starting to see the other guys, you know, the the younger ones come in that, that Mel recruited to add some more size and more length. And, and we'll see what that looks like when they finally transitions on the field. But you look at a guy like, Kristen Phillips at guard, you know, he was came in at 360 pounds and now he's down to, I think he was 305 or whatever last week. Um, so you, you've seen some of these guys transform their bodies and it'll be interesting to see what it looks like on the field. And again, yeah, it's more than just the offensive line. There is, you know, if, if you know, the tight end doesn't block, which I think is a good opening for, uh, for Kyle to talk about uh, Malik Carr. If he, it, we, we had the tight ends yesterday, um, we had tight ends coach Ted Gilmore, and he was very candid in some comments about Malik Carr, who's now clearly going to be a, you know, a top guy. And his, well, <laughs> his uh, transition from wide receiver to tight end and what is required, um, being particularly in the in the blocking game, uh, you know, because everybody knew with his athleticism, Malik can go up and catch the ball and run, but committing to being a blocker was was something else, and, and he was, uh, you know. Gilmore was quite candid about uh, that yesterday saying, you know, there are times that Malik didn't like him and he didn't like, you know, the feeling was mutual, but he's like, I'm 52 years old. I don't need a 22 year old friend. So um, then, we, then Dr. Malik and, and Kyle was there uh, listening to it more while I was across the room. So I guess what, what would you hear uh, uh, Kyle Malik uh, say just uh, specific to that? Um, I, he, he seemed more mature, a guy that kind of like, 
Ted Gilmore said, he's kind of finally accepted what he is and is not trying to be something else, whether that is a wide receiver or a basketball player or, or what have you. Um, he's fully accepted, committed to being a tight end at Michigan State um, and everything that that, um, that 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 comes with that, largely run blocking, um, which both sides, uh, Malik and Ted Gilmore said, that wasn't really his thing for a while. And if you were wondering why, for the last two years, this very talented young tight end was not on the field very much. Uh, he played almost not at all um, in the offense his first year. Um, and last year was in, you know, a pretty equal three three tight end rotation. Um, and, and if you're wondering why the guy who's clearly physically superior to everybody else wasn't, do, wasn't out there more, that's why. Um, and he's... He said he's fully committed, but to me, it was a lot more telling to hear Ted Gilmore, who, who very much is a no-nonsense, tell-it-like-it-is guy, say, yeah, he's got it now. He's going to be our tight end, um, our starting tight end, our primary tight end, and I don't want to take him off the field. Um, that That is very, very, very different than what we've heard from him in the past. You hear, I mean, camp, camp is full of stories of guys that have made – remarkable turnarounds and huge changes and this and that this was more believable to me because a it was ted gilmore who doesn't sugarcoat stuff and and b hearing malik talk about it it, it was believable so I, I think we're actually going to see malik hall as or malik, hall, <laughs> uh, malik carr as the um at last the featured tight end uh, I, I, that is probably the only competition now that we can say is is sewn up i mean i think that mm -hmm. ted gilmore is saying he's going to be the starter well, that's that's one of twenty-two and plus special teams. So uh, we just need Ted to break down the roster a little more, tell us where uh, where all the starters are. But yeah, I just think that's an important part when you're talking offensive line because if you have an attached mm -hmm. tight end, I mean, there you go. And we and we talked a lot about Malik Carr and his need to improve in the blocking area on the on the pod last week when we talked about pass catchers. Just two other guys on the offensive line. I want to shut. Just get your thoughts on before we flip to the other side. I think a lot of the optimism for improvement comes in the form of Keyshawn Blackstock. He's, you know, 6'5", 310, top junior college offensive lineman. He comes in and you kind of briefly mentioned him. He can play multiple spots. So wondering what you're hearing on him. And then true freshman Stanton Rymel, probably not going to be in the rotation this year, but 6'7", 310, uh, highly thought of four-star kid who I know has gotten some positive reviews early on as well. Oh, man, who was it the other day they called – the nickname for him was like Golden Child because he picked up the uh, playbook so quickly. My gosh, I can't remember. It might have been Spencer Brown. He said that I can't remember. But so yeah, Stan. But he's you know again true freshman. That's it's tough. You know, I mean that's you know it's a tough spot to no matter how smart and talented you are. You know, it's tough making that adjustment, expecting true freshman to to play. But you know, Black Sox a guy that you know was heavily recruited out of junior college and, and Michigan state got him. And we, you know, in the spring, um, you know, Kapilovic had said, you know, Hey, you know, I think he's going to take huge, make huge strides this summer, you know, by the time fall camp comes around and, and he thinks he's, he's done that. He, he's there, he's pushing, but it would seem like right now, um, Baldwin, well, he does Baldwin's got the edge, uh, but Blackstock will be, you know, part of that rotation. I think ideally, you know, if you, don't have much drop off between the two and, and at other positions playing both. You know, I mean, we remember 2021, they were going nine deep regularly on the offensive line until more than midway through the season. And there were times where late in the game, technically what would be your number two unit was out there with the game on the line and would perform better. So 
Uh, yeah, if they can if they can just keep working those guys in and, and, and there isn't much drop-off, then I would fully expect to see Blackstock on the field contributing at tackle. That's the offensive line. It's an area that needs to improve for Michigan State to improve. They need to be able to run the ball to set up those deep shot passes. So uh, it's a position group that we're going to need to watch pretty intently, especially early on. In those games when they play Central Michigan and Richmond, I want to see them moving the line, like absolutely dominating those guys that they should dominate. If that's happening, I'll have more optimism as they approach uh, Washington in the Big Ten schedule. Defensive line should be a strength again, Matt. It, it's been a strength for you know a while, although it was a little touch and go last year with the injuries and suspensions. But I guess we'll look at the returners first. You know, you got the program guys, Simeon Barrow, Maverick Hansen, Avery Dunn. They've been around for a while. We expect them to be in there. I guess you throw Derek Harmon into that group as well. And then you got you got guys like Chris Bogle, who were brought in in the, in the transfer market last year, um, that we can kind of discuss. And then there is some new guys that are going to arrive in too. But let's hit on those returners first. I mean, we would expect most of those guys to be in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, last year was the, I mean, can't even remember the number of defensive ends they ended up starting, something like eight or or something like that. But it's ridiculous. But you know, if you started the interior, yeah, I mean, they should be pretty strong. I mean, Barrow. I mean, either there are people, the, the coaches and staff are saying, you know, rave reviews for Simeon this fall camp. You know, he's a guy we've seen. He's he, he's disruptive, to say the least, in the middle. Uh, then you got Derek Harmon, Maverick Hansen's back for, you know, fifth year. Um, the, the, all three of those have starting experience. They're they're big dudes. Alex Van Sumeren's back after, you know, playing four games, the true freshman. And then they hit the the transfer portal, added Dre Butler, Jaron. Jarrett Jackson and Jalen Sammy. Those are all, you know, grad transfer, big, big veteran, 300 plus pound guys. We talked to Jalen Sammy uh, the other last week, and that is a that is a big dude, you know, 6'6, 330 pounds or whatever it is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they they got a lot of size up front in, in the middle. And then if you get to the edge, there's there's just a lot of question. I think you know what you have in their interior. You know, if the guys can stay healthy, you're talking about rotating like seven, seven deep, the ability, which is would be a big change from times last year where because of injuries and stuff, they were they were down with three defensive tackles primarily at times, which is definitely far from ideal. So interior, I think you're solid, uh, but just some question marks at defensive end, you know, Bogle, who's still coming back from a season ending leg injury last year. Uh Brandon Wright, Avery Dunn, Zion Young, all those guys started uh, last year. Uh, they all have their own little unique skill set. Dunn's a guy that people have been talking about, you know, being a riser. Uh, Zion Young, you know, for a guy that was a true freshman and, you know, one of the lowest ranked recruits, which will tell you sometimes the recruiting rankings aren't always accurate. The guy's got a lot of length. We saw him in some some key situations last year. I think it was like one of the goal line situations at, at Washington, all of a sudden, he's Zion Young's on the field, and you're like, huh, wouldn't have guessed that. But uh, he, all of them have a little promise. And then you mix in a guy like Tumiche Adele um, from Texas AM, guy that, you know, was 280 so pounds on the edge that they expect to be able to, you know, be a big help in the perimeter run game. And also, he can pass rush uh, from the interior as well. So, a little more questions at defensive end, um, but then you bring in some talented young guys by Job, Andrew DePape, and Jalen Thompson. Those were your uh, 2023 class, uh, all of them four stars. 
Uh, we talked to Bai yesterday, a very interesting young man from Senegal. He didn't start. He, he came to the United States to to be a hooper, play some basketball. It wasn't until his midway through his sophomore year they convinced him to play some football. He had no idea what was going on. A couple of years later, he becomes, you know, one of the nation's top recruits. You know, he's the highest ranked recruit Mel signed. And mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a speed guy right now, obviously a pass rush thing. So work on the run D, but I would assume, you know, that you're going to see him in some situations this year where they're going to try and get him on the field in these pass rushing downs and let him do his thing, see if he can get after the quarterback. Yeah. I mean, Tunisi Adelaide, I mean, a five-star All-American by rivals. I mean, he's that's the kind of talent Michigan State doesn't usually bring in coming from Texas A&M. And then three of the top four recruits in this class are on the D-line, which obviously that's the Brandon Jordan effect to some extent. But, uh, I mean, you could see some freshmen out there. You know, I'm just not worried about this group, man. I mean, you just ran it down. There's a lot of depth. You're bringing in three very talented young guys. Um, I'm just, I'm really excited to see what this group can do and just the bodies, the sheer girth inside. I don't think we talked about Jalen Sammy enough when he actually did commit, uh, because that is a big veteran. That's a, that's a grown man, you know, sixth year in college, uh, playing there. I mean, I think his impact both in the locker room and on the field, we probably undersold a little bit when he first uh, committed because they, they just keep talking about him nonstop But the depth I love. Um, and the young upside of some of these guys on the outside, if they can just keep these guys healthy, I mean, I don't see why this front and really we'll get into the linebackers next week. I mean, I don't see why this front seven shouldn't be the true strength of this team. And if that's going to be the case, you can limit the run game. Unlike last year at times, uh, you know, that can, that can give your young secondary a chance, I guess. Yeah. I mean, as far as Sammy uh, Mel said, when he hit the portal, there were staff members running through the building <laughs> trying to get this done. So <laughs> And, and, you know, he came from Colorado, so, you know, Mel Coat, you know, was there for, for him. He knows him. And, um, yeah, I, I, the potential is certainly there for for their, their you know, their defensive line um, to be a strength. And then when you you mix in the linebackers that are returning with Halliday and Winman and Brule and, and Arias, we still don't really know about. Um, but, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of a lot of promise there in, in the front seven and <laughs> – to be honest, they're going to have to be good because the secondary, which has been just shredded the, in recent years, is much younger than it was before. So while there's kind of that positive spin, you could say, all right, well, we got we got young guys. We got we got talent. I mean, you fully expect them to take some lumps and you're going to need uh, you're going to need to have a better you're going to be a lot better against the run and generate more of a pass rush just to take. Uh, some of the some of the pressure off your your defense as as Mel was going off last week and said you know we need to be able to play split safety defense and stop the run you know this is big boy ball you know you can't expect to drop a safety down in there and, and continually to try and help against the run so um, yeah they they're gonna have to be better up front this year and and let take just let the young guys in the back end uh, not have to cover so so long. Well, in a division with Travion Henderson and Nick Singleton and Katron Allen and Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, uh, you might want to have a pretty good run defense there for Michigan State. Last question before we get out of here. I, I meant to ask this on the offensive side. How many yards per game do you think they need to run for this year for them to feel pretty good about it? I mean, we, we said 179, you know, in 21, terrible last year. I mean, we're in the 150 range maybe or more than that? Uh Whatever gets the job done, how about that? I think, you know, it's got to be, you know, somewhere in the, you know, 50 more 50 more yards a game, you know, depending on how that looks, you know. 
I mean, I, it, who's going to be the lead back? Is it going to be, is Nathan Carter going to emerge all of a sudden? Jalen Berger is obviously the returning uh, starter, but it just has to, it has to be a lot more consistent. They've got to have the ability to stay on the field, you know, take some, you know, the time of possession where they 127th in the nation last year, that's, you know, terrible. <laughs> um, take some pressure off the defense, obviously. Uh, and how many times have we seen last year, you know, fourth and one, they try to run and just stuff, 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 Hit stuff, the backfield. stuff. And, yep. you know, and some, again, <laughs> you know, that wasn't all the offensive line. You know, there were times where the play call, it's like, what the hell are you doing? You know, they're running like a delayed handoff into like a, a 11 man box on fourth and one from the five. It's like, what? okay, that's not going to work. Um, so yeah, I just, uh, uh, you know, it, it's going to have to be better, uh, obviously, and, and significantly better. Well, there you go. That's 25 minutes on the offensive line and the defensive line. This is a comprehensive podcast, as we've said before, and we don't want to leave any position group out. Uh, often forgotten about, but very important to the success of a football team. And I think most Big Ten fans especially can appreciate that. We are the conference of six tight ends on the field at once. So uh, we got to love it. But that's going to do it for today's episode of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll be back next week uh, for DBs and linebackers. Appreciate everyone for listening. As I said, football is happening this weekend, so tune in on Saturday. And then a week from Friday, Michigan State, Central Michigan at Spartan Stadium. So for Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time, and go Green!